Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys. This is Ben. Hey, y'all. I'm Karen. I see you're back for round two of the Crime and Compulsion podcast. Good luck. Hey guys, happy holidays and welcome back. Yes, thank y'all so much for joining us for the second episode of the Crime and Compulsion Podcast here with your hosts, Ben and Karen. Dude, we had more than the one listener that I was expecting, which totally blew me away. I was expecting two, but we also blew that away by a lot. Well, two was me and you when we went back and listened <laughs> to it. <laughs> and then shout out to my mom for number three. <laughs> But no, seriously, thank you guys. We've gotten some awesome feedback and we appreciate each and every single one of you. Yes, we've been so overwhelmed with all the kind words from you guys. We uh, we appreciate it more than you can actually know. So I know so far it's all warm, nice feelings and all. Um, but just as a quick heads up, this one is a tough one to swallow. It's going to be a little bit more rough than our than our last one was more tame. So we're going to be talking about a flaming hot piece of garbage tonight. Human garbage. Um, so a lot of people have guessed it based on our clue that we put out. Um, but if, if you're not familiar with the case, we are talking about Doctor of Death, Mr. Kermit Gosnell. Ugh. Yeah, ugh is, is pretty appropriate when we're talking about him. That's like what my brain does every time you've said his name this week. <laughs> I think your brain's gone from ugh to fucking cunt cake, <laughs> like back and forth like a ping pong. Multiple times, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we just want to give you a trigger warning now, and then we'll give you uh, another trigger warning before we get into the, to the little bit more graphic details, guys. All right, let's get this going. All right, so Kermit Gosnell, um, he was an only child. He was born in February of 1941, and he grew up in his hometown, West Philadelphia. Born and raised. I was going to say, now if you're like <laughs> me, I'm going to try to use West Philadelphia as little as possible. Born and raised. Because another trigger warning, I go straight to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> so I'm going to use that as little as possible. Um, but he grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He graduated from the city's Central High School. And then in 1966, he graduated from Jefferson Medical School. So overall, he had a 40-year career as a medical doctor. Ugh. Yeah, it should have been uh, way shorter than that. Um, so Gosnell mentioned that even from an early age, he knew that he wanted to be in the medical profession. Um, as well, he felt that he was drawn to help the poor minorities of Philadelphia. 
He also mentions how his Christian upbringing led him to providing community service and felt that it was more important than any kind of material gain that he had. Knowing who he is, that just pisses me off. Like, no. That was part of his whole facade is that he's going to be an upstanding member of the community. And then behind closed doors, it's a completely different story. Yeah, just no. So he mentions after he actually graduated that he had offers to work in other cities like New York and Los Angeles, um, but felt a calling to come back to West Philadelphia to help his poor minorities and to help his hometown. Along with the abortion clinic at 3801 Lancaster Avenue, Gosnell also opened up a halfway house. Uh, He opened up a rehab clinic and as well, he created a teen aid program. So up to this point, Gosnell, he was considered an upstanding member of society by many in the neighborhood. His family actually described him, even up until the allegations came out, described him as being quiet, uh, kind, and gentle growing up, that he was very soft-spoken. Yeah, but you know how many serial killers people go back and they're like, oh, he was nice and quiet. Yeah. I mean, like my ass would have been in Ted Bundy's car. Yeah, you very much would have not been here if you were (laughs) in that era. But like I said, that is part of his his two-faced persona is that he was an upstanding member trying to help the community, and then behind closed doors was part of his sick fantasy. Ugh. So early on, Gosnell showed an extreme interest in abortion um, and abortion rights. Actually, in the 60s and 70s, he tried to be an early proponent and in the forefront of fetal medicine. And for lack of a better term, a pioneer for abortion procedures. Which is totally okay. You know, I'm not here to bash abortions at all. Um, I am 100% pro-choice. But what this dude did, just no. Yeah, I think whether you're, you know, pro-life, pro-choice, we can all agree that this was, you know, completely wrong. Completely horrible. His first stint of trouble actually came early in his career uh, on May 14th, 1972, which is actually Mother's Day. Is it really? That was Mother's Day, 1972. You should put that in my next Mother's Day card. Happy uh, Mother's Day Massacre. Yeah. Love, Ben. Love, Ben. So Gosnell, along with his colleague, Dr. Harvey Carmen, had 15 poor women from Chicago bust in and was scheduled to perform 15 late second trimester abortions. Now, these abortions, which, just so we're clear, was not made clear to the 15 women that it was going to be performed with this new experimental device. Um, So this device was actually created by his colleague, Dr. Harvey Carmen. It was called the Super Coil. That's super scary. How How does that work? It's been described as a round medical device um, that actually has plastic razors protruding out of the ball. What the fuck? Yeah. And it's been coated in gel, uh, purpose of which said that the razors were not exposed until after this was inserted into the woman's uterus. That sounds like some middle age, not middle age, middle, what is it? Dark ages, dark age torture device shit. <laughs> middle aged? <laughs> <laughs> no, not middle age. I mean, middle age is pretty rough too, but that's not what I meant. So they coated it in jail, um, purpose of that, so that the razors were not exposed until after it was inserted. But once it's inserted, it's actually twisted around. Uh, the razors are exposed to cause irritation to the fetus, resulting in, obviously, you know, fetal demise and abortion. I feel like my face is doing 
like crazy shit listening to you describe that. You have a very much what the fuck is going on right now face. I mean, I, I feel like what the fuck is going on right now. I mean, I understand it was 1972, but I feel like even back then they should have known like, hey, it's probably not a good idea to stick razors inside a woman's uterus. Is this the one where it was televised to like on public television? So supposedly it was televised on public access. Is uh, that the, PBS? The, the 15. I don't know exactly what channel um, or, you know, what they had back then. But yes, some sources have stated that this was televised. That is wicked weird. That's pretty insane, especially if you think about today's standards of what you can show and not show and this was experimental too like who 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 thought it was a good idea to show an experimental abortion on tv but like public access that's like my five-year-old is sitting there with the remote and he can like come across that right yes that's like regular cable you don't have to have a dish network subscription or anything okay all right that just okay so of these uh, 15 women that had the experimental treatment, obviously nine um, had complications from this procedure. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. So the complications included a punctured uterus, infections. Um, some even had retained fetal remains still inside. Okay, so that's bad news bears. So, I mean, that can lead to sepsis and a lot of other really not good stuff. Um, and then one woman actually had to have an entire full hysterectomy because of this procedure. That's fucked up. Yeah. was even more fucked up. The CDC and the Philadelphia Department of Public Health both ignored this event. And Gosnell's medical license was never pulled. And Gosnell never suffered any kind of consequences because of this. I'm assuming that... At, like, bare minimum, they were like, let's not use the super coil device anymore. So, as far as I know, it was obviously never used again. Oh, yes. Thank God. Um, but I feel like a little bit more should have been done investigation-wise oh, no. I mean, into definitely, this. but at least there's that. So, this was nicknamed the Mother's Day Massacre. And yet, the public health was like, you know what? We don't need to think about this. This is good to go. This guy got so many free passes, it seems like. Oh, no worries. We're going to get into that as far as how all of this, the system, let everybody down. So past that, um, Kermit Gosnell was originally on authorities' radars because of actually a DEA investigation, drug enforcement. So the DEA originally started investigating Gosnell because he was operating an illegal pill mill from his abortion clinic, which uh, for you people who live under a rock and don't know, Bill Mills, when doctors will write, you know, illegal, fraudulent prescriptions to anybody that will pay the right price, basically. So I remember, because I did do a little bit of reading on this part of it, um, there was days that he wasn't even at the clinic, but prescription pads would be there. And people would just come in and pay, you know, whatever amount of money, and then they would get their prescriptions. Yeah, so um, it was actually an office worker. It wasn't Gosnell who originally got on the investigators' radars because they weren't going after street-level people here, according to the investigators. They were trying to get the higher-ups. So an informant actually gave up one of Gosnell's office workers because the office workers at this point were the ones writing the prescriptions because he would just leave his pads laying around for anybody to come and pay the right price to get their prescription. But just to clarify, he knew about it. It's not this like is the 100% office workers. His and the office workers were basically told to do this or find another job. Yes. 
So he was under investigation from the DEA just from June 2008 all the way to February of 2010. During this time, he was writing fraudulent prescriptions for thousands and thousands of pills, uh, mostly Oxycontin, Percocet, and Xanax. So according to their investigation, when he was first, when they first started looking into him in 2008, he was writing hundreds of prescriptions. Now this is both, you know, legitimate for his patients and fraudulent. To the month before they raided him, June of 2010, he wrote over 2,300 illegal prescriptions just in one month. Can you like imagine how many people potentially had their lives destroyed because of that or how many people OD'd and lost family members just from that? And this is before the, the opioid epidemic got Ugh. really big. This is in 2010. But I read that he prescribed like more than 400,000 Oxycontin and like 600,000 Percocet. And I want to say it was he also was big into doing the codeine cough syrup as well and was prescribed like more than like 16,000 ounces of codeine cough syrup. That's like the scissor that rappers sing about, right? Are we, am I thinking of the right thing? <laughs> That's the lean. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that, that is it. In February of 2010 is when the DEA was uh, wrapping up their investigation. They were actually going to raid his abortion clinic, which is where he was writing these you know, fraudulent prescriptions out of. That's 3801 Lancaster Street. Now, I don't know and I don't believe anybody, uh, even in law enforcement, could be fully prepared for what these investigators walked into yeah, when they I went mean, to his clinic. They were coming in thinking that it's this big drug raid and then they walk into fucking hell yeah so i wanted to give everybody one last trigger warning uh, we are about to go into some more gruesome details of what they found and what investigators determined what was going on so this is your last trigger warning please turn if you if you need to all right let's um let's keep going most of the investigators that raided that day um, say that this was the most horrendous scene that they had ever experienced in I mean, law enforcement. Probably by far the worst for their entire career, I would assume. Horrible. First thing that they noted was the just awful, horrible smell that overtook them as they walked inside. It was described between a mix of cat urine smell and then formaldehyde. That you would smell like if you were going to a morgue. That's what you want to smell in a medical facility. Yeah. So just on that day, there were feral cats actually wandering the halls of this facility during their normal business hours. Now keep in mind, this is supposed to be a medical facility where they do, you know, medical procedures and surgeries, and they have cats wandering the halls. These cats, per reports, were allowed to, you know, relieve themselves. Anywhere they saw fit, which is where patients and other people sit, there were litter boxes that actually been photographed that were scattered throughout the entire facility in the waiting rooms and in the bathrooms. There were huge water stains that were on the entire ceiling. Most of them, there was even big chunks of ceiling that were missing that looked that they had fallen down from the water damage. And then one of the more horrendous notes is that the waiting room chairs and the carpet in the waiting room was covered in blood stains, which was from previous patients. So just to, I guess, continue setting the mood there a little bit, um, I found a description of what they walked in on, and it's as follows. There was blood on the floor, a stench of urine filled the air, 
a flea infested cat was wandering through the facility and they were cat feces on the stairs. Semi-conscious women scheduled for abortions were moaning in the waiting room or the recovery room where they sat on dirty recliners covered with blood-stained blankets. Yeah, I feel like no matter what kind of medical facility I'm walking into, if I see blood stains on the waiting room... That's some like, fucking House of Horrors bullshit. Well, that's one of the big names of the news stories that came out was his House of Horrors. Like, I mean, because I Because of in, this specific reason. I walk in and I see something like that. I'm going to know There's no the way in hell right I'm out. staying. I yeah. mean... Now, I do want to say that a lot of these women had no other choice at this time. Um, he was providing abortions, mostly late-term abortions uh, illegally, that were given to women that, ha- that, one, were poor, that they could only afford him, and two, that literally had nowhere else to go. As a woman, this makes me so angry. You know, like, homeboy's not trying to help. He's taking advantage of just minority and you know women who are in the minority and it's so fucked up it makes me so angry oh it's it's awful so they also noted just during their first initial walkthrough and an investigation that most of the the medical equipment that they used were were rusty and not sterile um they even made a note that their oxygen equipment um, which is what they would use in any kind of life-saving measure was reportedly covered in a thick layer of dust and that it had not been inspected for for many years. Now, during the initial DEA raid, uh, the investigators found five jars. Now, these jars had fetal remains, specifically the severed feet of the previous abortive fetuses that Gosnell saved. So, um, from the grand jury report, it says that equipment was rusty and outdated, Oxygen equipment was covered with dust and had not been inspected. The same corroded suction tubing used for abortions was the only tubing available for oral airways if assistance for breathing was needed. The fetal remains were stored throughout the clinic in bags, milk jugs, orange juice cartons, and even in cat food containers. Yeah, so overall, they found remains of 46 fetuses. Now, it doesn't say specifically what. I know that he kept feet. Um, I know that he actually kept the skulls uh, of some of the aborted babies. But they found 46 different fetal remain parts that were kept. And some were frozen in milk jugs and water. Like It was just awful. And the justification that Gosnell gave is that he stated he wanted to save these one for medical experiments right because that's how you fucking save shit that you're saving for medical purposes okay dude and then also he stated some that he wanted to save for dna testing which nah try again just as a i guess regular human being i don't understand why you would need to ever dna test a fetus but hey that is his justification and that's why this guy's a big fucking cunt cake okay i need a break and i'm sure Someone out there listening needs a break as well. It can't just be me. Yeah, we want to take this time to give a shout out to our good friend Kevin over at the Jury Room Podcast. Go check him out. Hi, welcome to the Jury Room, a true crime podcast. My name is Kevin, and I will be your host on this journey. 
we will be covering some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever be committed against humanity. We will be covering cannibalistic serial killers, decades-old unsolved mysteries, cold cases, missing person cases, and everything in between. The Jury Room Podcast is available on most major podcasting platforms. Back to your host of the Crime and Compulsion Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, so it was common practice for Gosnell and his workers to give women labor-inducing medicine. Uh, now, most of the time, this medicine was administered by someone one, who did not have proper training at all and was not licensed, you know, to prescribe medicine whatsoever. And some of that shit was expired, too. Yes. Now, after receiving the, the, the labor-inducing medicine, these women were instructed to sit on dirty, blood-stained toilets while they wait until they delivered a live, viable baby. Yeah, I don't think that's how a medical abortion actually is supposed to work. Yeah, so in the grand jury report, many of the office workers have stated that some woman would sit on these toilets for hours at a time, um, and that was either until they delivered a viable live baby or until Gosnell finally decided to arrive. So what, he's just got women sitting in toilets with their, their babies just in the toilet? For hours. Several employees actually told the grand jury that they would sit and rub the mother's shoulders for hours over the toilet after they had delivered waiting for Gosnell to arrive. If the viable baby was still alive, Gosnell would brutally murder this child by taking his medical scissors and cutting his spinal cord at the back of his neck. And this was done to what, hundreds of babies? Honestly, at this point, it's probably incalculable how many babies this guy has murdered over the years. So what does that mean? He just had dead babies in the toilet? So his handyman, Gosnell's handyman, actually refused to unclog the toilet anymore. Uh, so the, the babies were clogging up the, the pipes? So his handyman told the grand jury that he would remove the toilet, but that he could not in good conscience continue to unclog fetal remains that were stuck in his toilet anymore. Oh, that is 50 shades of fucked up. It is. This goes completely against born alive laws. Like, dude, you're a fucking serial killer. You kill fucking babies. Go fuck yourself. Is he alive? Yes, he is still currently alive. I hope that he gets to listen to podcasts in jail. Like, go fuck yourself. And many of these abortions, uh, they're actually done in the sixth, seventh, and eighth month of pregnancy, which is also, again, highly illegal. In the grand jury report, office workers claim that they were trained by Gosnell on how they can manipulate the ultrasound equipment. Doing so, they were able to make the baby actually appear smaller than it actually was, basically deceiving the paperwork and deceiving the, the mothers that their baby was younger than what it really is to have abortions. I hope all of those people are like daily stepping on Legos. 
Now, Gosnell actually admitted to investigators that 10 to 20 percent of the abortions that he conducted at his facility was past the 24 week cutoff point. You know, if he's admitting to 10 or 20 percent, oh, it's, it's way, way more than that. Yeah. So and then it was regularly practice for Gosnell to save part of his fetus that that was just aborted uh, for what he claimed for his medical experiments and his DNA testing. You know what I think? What? You know how a lot of serial killers will keep like trophies for all of their victims? This was his trophy? Yeah, I don't think that he was doing this shit to potentially medical research later on. Like you don't keep babies in milk jugs for medical research. Those were his trophies. And I think that's one thing that we have not touched on that I think we both agree is that by all definition and standard that Gosnell is easily one of the most prolific serial killers in history. Yeah, because, I mean, there is a gigantic difference between a doctor performing a legal abortion and clipping the spinal cord of a viable baby. And now the the whole clipping of the spinal cord is not even standard practice. That is something that this sick fucking asshole did because he thought it was fun. If you're listening out there, Gosnell, fuck you again. Am I allowed to say that? They fuck you? Yeah. To him? Yeah. Oh, I just meant like when we're recording. Uh, we can say fuck you all we want to. Okay. We got a disclaimer. So the normal practice for abortions at this time was to inject a drug called digoxin. And the purpose of which is digoxin actually will cause fetal demise prior to the pregnancy termination. So Gosnell claimed that he only snipped the spinal cord of a fetus to ensure fetal demise after digoxin was already administered. Basically, he's stating that he gave digoxin and then he's cutting the cord just as a secondary measure. Yeah, okay, fuck you. Yeah, so on the night of the DEA raid, there was not a single vial of digoxin found in his entire facility. Oh, convenient. Yeah, that the one drug that he uses... The cause fetal demise is nowhere, nowhere to, to be, be found, found in his yeah. abortion clinic. Um, and then it also became well known uh, by Gosnell's staff that there would be what they call a special Sunday service abortions. Now, these abortions were only performed by Gosnell and his current third wife, Pearl, who's also a piece of shit, by the way. Fuck you, Pearl. Yeah, so these abortions were the extreme late-term abortion cases that Gosnell took on and he would only perform with his wife, with no nobody else around. Uh, I'm assuming because of legality reasons, because these were extreme, you know, cases past the 24 week time frame. But the staff knew that this was going on because they would come in on Monday mornings and see that there would be still bloody instruments and bloody operating rooms after they had been previously cleaned on Saturday. Does that not make them an accessory to crime there? So Pearl is actually in jail along with her husband. Oh, good. She deserves it. Now, according to Gosnell's staff, apparently Gosnell was just fucking horrible about paying his bills on time. Like, set a Google reminder or something, dude. Right. Now, this is the same guy that's making ten to $15,000 a day on abortions. But he can't pay his bills. Right. And that is also not counting the money that he's making from his illegal pill mill business. But he can't pay his bills. So there were many instances in which the hazardous material service that Gosnell uses, he wouldn't pay them, right? So they weren't coming to pick up They would shit. not come and pick up his medical waste for months at a time. 
sanitary. And this is, you know, medical devices, syringes, fetal remains would not be picked up for months at a time. And his staff was informed to throw it all in the basement. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of you are wondering how the fuck did all of this happen and how did it happen for so long? Yeah. I was the same way. It's Um, a series of unfortunate events. Right. So it actually started first in 1993 when there was a decision made that abortion clinics would not be inspected yearly like they were supposed to. And also before that, they were not inspected yearly. But they stopped inspections completely. Um, They were supposed to be done yearly, stopped. And this was for a political reason. The governor at the time, Governor Ridge, thought that by inspecting abortion clinics, it would potentially shut down many facilities for violations, which may put up a barrier to women, especially poor women who are seeking abortions and decided not to inspect any abortion clinics unless there was a very serious violation that was reported. I wonder if that's really what the governor felt or if he just didn't give a shit. Yeah. So then in 1996 and 1997, uh, there was a doctor, Donald Schwartz, He actually hand-delivered a complaint to the Department of Health that he had several patients that he referred to Gosnell for abortions that came back with a sexually transmitted disease called trichomoniasis that they did not have prior to entering his abortion clinic. How does that happen? So apparently there is a lot of patients that went to his clinic that got sexually transmitted diseases. From dirty tools. Dirty dirty equipment non-sterile environment and then guess what happened with that complaint nothing absolutely fucking nothing there was no investigation that was conducted whatsoever even though he walked his happy ass and from another doctor hand delivered it yeah yeah and then 1999 government officials received a recommendation that investigation into abortion clinics should resume after a meeting between the high-level government officials they decided not to continue inspections because they feared if regularly scheduled inspections were to be conducted, that many abortion facilities would be shut down because of health code violations, as well as improper access for patients to get out in stretchers and wheelchairs during an emergency. And they were worried that many of these abortion clinics were shut down, that women seeking abortions would have nowhere to go. So you want them to go to a house of horrors instead. So it was the same bullshit reason in the beginning that they feared that if they shut down any place that these women are going to have nowhere to go, which is a very real fear. And instead of, hey, let's fix these facilities and make them better. We're just not going to inspect them at all. Makes sense. Now, what's even crazier is that in 2001, a former Gosnell employee, Marcella Chung, filed a complaint against Gosnell. In her complaint, she stated that Gosnell used unlicensed employees to use anesthesia and pain medication. She reported the filthy conditions in which procedures were performed, as well as Gosnell and his employees using the same medical equipment from one patient to the next without sterilizing it. She reported this to the Department of State. Let me guess, nothing happened. So she complained in 2001. It was not viewed until April of 2004. The prosecutor for the Department of State determined that there was not enough evidence to launch an investigation. 
Jesus. So there's more fucking federal bureaucracy at play right there. Wow. Yeah. Now, in 2002, the Department of Health is notified that Ms. Shamika Shaw died from a result of an abortion she received at Gosnell's clinic. Again, there is no investigation ordered into this tragedy, even though her autopsy showed that she died from perforation of her cervix into her uterus. This wasn't the only woman he killed, right? Yeah, no. So in November of 2009, Gosnell takes the life of another adult female named Carnamina Monger. So Ms. Monger died from an overdose of a mix of anesthesia and Demerol, which is a pretty cheap, easily overdosed opioid. So per the grand jury report, Ms. Monger was given several doses of anesthesia and Demerol by multiple employees. And of course, these employees are not keeping track of how much they're given Ms. Monger at the time. So paramedics were called to Gosnell's clinic because she had stopped breathing. It was reported that Gosnell continued the abortion procedure, even though Ms. Monger quit breathing and did not try to perform resuscitation until after the procedure was over. So also in the grand jury report, Gosnell stated he was unable to resuscitate Ms. Monger because his defibrillator was not working. But isn't this the same case in which the employees said that they even staged the scene? So Gosnell and his employees staged to make it look like she had stopped breathing at a different time, not during his procedure, as to mitigate liability. I have so many middle fingers for Kermit Gosnell. I don't have enough middle fingers for this asshole. So... The paramedics even stated to the grand jury that they had a hard time getting Miss Monger out because Gosnell actually had all of his emergency exits chained and locked closed so they were unable to open. That's what you want to do with emergency exits. And then, of course, the Department of Health decided that there was no investigation needed into the death of Miss Monger. Who is working at the Department of Health in Pennsylvania? Apparently nobody. Now, in 2009, Gosnell decides that he wants to become a member of the National Abortion Federation. And, of course, that requires a representative from the NAF to come and investigate Gosnell's medical facility. But no one did. Let me guess. No, they did. The, the evaluator for the NAF notes that the records at Gosnell's clinic are not properly kept. Risks are not explained properly to his patients. Drugs are misused by the staff. And life-saving medical equipment is not available. The evaluator actually puts in his report that this is the worst abortion clinic he has ever visited. But neither the evaluator or anybody from the NAF reports this to anybody in the authority of the Department of Health. So yet again, nothing happens. So yet again, everybody turns a blind eye. It's not my problem. I'm not going to deal with it. So Gosnell was allowed to slip through the cracks because people didn't want to do their jobs. People didn't want to investigate and people wanted to be lazy. Jesus. So Kermit Gosnell, he was convicted of three counts of first degree murder. Um, those three counts were from babies that were born alive per testimony of his employees and the grand jury report. And then he was also convicted on one count of involuntary manslaughter. And that was for Carnaminga Monger. She died at his clinic. And then Gosnell actually has 231 violations of the Abortion Control Act. And that comes from either late-term abortions or for violating the 24-hour informed consent law, which I actually had to look that up. 
he apparently would allow his patients to have abortions the same day that they would come into his facility and learn about the risk instead of giving them the proper 24 hours to go home and think about it and investigate. Yes. And then thankfully he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Now, if you're thinking that that's the end of the story and it can't get worse, well, I'm sorry, you're wrong. So in light of everything that happened in the Gosnell case, Pennsylvania passed bills uh, that actually included the regular inspections of abortion clinics and that required abortion clinics to meet certain safety regulations. And then quickly so, Virginia and Texas passed very similar legislation afterward. And then, of course, in normal government fashion, the Virginia State Board of Health overturned their legislation, removing all of their new regulations that they had just put into place. Makes total sense. So that's the story of Kermit Gosnell and his house of horrors at 3801 Lancaster Street. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year to everyone except that piece of shit. Yeah. So we want to thank you guys for sticking around with us to the end. Uh, We appreciate you so much. Uh, We have been, again, overwhelmed by the response we've got from our first episode, and we hope we can keep it going for you guys. So go ahead and subscribe, review, shoot us an email. So you can find us on Facebook at Crime and Compulsion. You can find us on Instagram. At Crime and Compulsion Podcast. You can find us on Twitter. At just Crime Compulsion. Or you can email us. At podcast at crimeandcompulsion.com. So we'll be back again on January 9th. We're going to take you on a little road trip, bring you back home to us for a local serial killer. Yeah, so make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts, either Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, or any other ones that I fucking forgot. See ya.